Revelation chapter 11, I want to talk about verse 18, just a phrase off of the back of that verse I'll get to in a moment. If you want to go to jail, there's a lot of ways to go to jail. You can go to jail representing Gospel Baptist Church. I've been to jail a lot. Or you can go to jail and be a, a prisoner. But one of the fastest ways is to com commit some environmental crime. Yeah. You can abort your baby, but you cannot kill an eagle or an eagle's nest. If you mess with an eagle's nest, sometimes the eagles come down here in the winter and they nest in some of the places in Cape Coral, especially they had a big old, and they would take a nest in Cape Coral. And some of these, the people that own the land, under the, either the land the nest is built on or the land around the nest, they cannot touch the land while those eagles are nesting. Now believe this, the right of ownership, right property ownership. You own this lot, you want to come down, build a house on it this winter. An eagle just inadvertently nests on one of your in one of your trees. You are done. They don't care about you. They don't care about what you what money you're going to lose. They don't care about anything. You are not going to build. And our brothers, these builders in here, these real estate people know what I'm talking about. You will not. Also for ground nesting owls. I mean, to tell you, they are delicious if you saute them. <laughs> right next to smoked manatee. Now, you know, I haven't done all that, so don't go out of here. Say the preacher's killing manatees and roasting ground nesting owls. If you want to get in trouble and go to jail, do what we did as, as young people. We lived on a dirt road. I can't get away from dirt roads. I don't know what it's in part of my destiny. When I go to heaven, I just got a feeling I'm going to be escorted outside towards the edge, and they'll say the Gold Street stopped about two miles that way, but oh, you got dirt. I say, well, I'm used to that. Put me on the dirt road. And uh, we lived on a dirt road as a kid beside a dirt road, and, and so they would come by. And I know you young people are going, I'm not going to believe this, but they came by, they collected all the used motor oil. Everywhere they changed oil, they collected all the used motor oil. And they would put it in this big tanker. And they would come down the road with big, they had big booms out like this. And the guy would get out back and he'd turn that thing on. This is used motor oil. Black, used motor oil, full of all kinds of nasty chemicals. And they would turn that thing on, he'd get back up in the truck, and he'd very slowly go down our road and leave puddles of black oil. I mean, it was just soaked. Those black, but we just loved it because no more dust. It killed all the dust on the road. And uh, imagine trying to do that today. You'd be in jail for the rest of your life. Or you could do something like this. <laughs> Don't get any ideas by all this way. People used to change their oil, and they'd just dump it on the ground, and they used to... Sometimes if they wanted to drain a gas tank, they'd just take the plug out of the bottom of the gas tank, let it drain on the ground, and then fill it up. And this is, this is just common behavior. I'm saying 50 years ago, 60 years ago, common behavior. I learned about gasoline. The EPA says one drop of gasoline pollutes 100,000 gallons of drinking water. You believe that? Sometimes I know my breath could light a fire, but 
man, I can't believe that one drop of gasoline pollutes some 100,000 gallons of water. There was a local gas station owner up the road here in St. Carlos Park, and he decided he wanted to sell the gas station. Brother Harris appreciate this. He wanted to sell the gas station. That gas station had been there forever. It was old. Sometimes those old tanks, they leaked, you know, they spilled gas and leaked, and he thought he could just sell it. You couldn't sell it. You can't just sell a gas station. The EPA comes in, and they do test drilling, and they find they found all kinds of gasoline fumes down in, and he spent hundreds of thousands of dollars with these vacuum machines that they'd go down there and suck the air out of the soil till they were sucking those fumes out of the soil till they got to a level that they thought was okay, and it took like six months and, and hundreds of thousands of dollars before he was even allowed to sell the gas station. He said, you'll never be allowed to sell it. We want a gas station out where I live. I live uh, 10 miles from 41, off Corkscrew Road, seven and a half miles from 75. And it would be a thrill if they would build. They're building a Publix out there. Believe it or not, right by my house, they're building a Publix. It'll be done sometime in 3,000, I said this morning supposed to be done in 2024. I'll believe it when I see it. But nevertheless, we'd love a gas station. I went to a guy the other day and says, man, isn't it going to be great? He said, you're never going to get a gas station out here. What do you weigh? What do you mean we're never going to get a gas station? He says, you're in the uh, groundwater reservoir of the whole county. This is where everybody gets their drinking water. They're never going to let anybody put a gas station up in this area in case they had a spill it would the one drop per 100,000 gallons of drinking water, and they're not going to put it. I said, you mean to tell me when this place gets 100,000 people, which is going to, it won't be in my lifetime, but and they just proved 10,000 houses down the road for me, 4,000 houses right next to me, 2,000 houses in the place. Uh, Bellaterra's got 1,800 people living in it, and pretty soon we're going to have this little city out there. We don't have one gas station. So if you want to get in trouble, just think about polluting in any other in way you can this whole world. And I have to say that God cares about the environment of this world also. Yeah, he does. Let's read it. Revelation chapter 11, verse 15. The seventh angel sounded, the trumpet sounded, and there were great voices in heaven saying, the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord. Now, you know, that's, that's the wish, that's the desire of the Lord's prayer. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. That's the desire of the Lord's prayer. You and born, you as a born again believer should desire that. You should desire the things being in heaven will be done here. And that, that's what they said here, the seventh angel sound. The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord. Whoa, what a good day that'll be. And the four and twenty elders, in verse 16 there, which sat before God in their seats, fell down upon their faces and worshiped God, saying, we give thee thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art, which was, and which art, which art to come, because thou hast taken to thee thy great power and hast reigned. Finally, finally, God's going to step in, and this will be a glorious time. And the nations were angry. When God steps in, the nation's going to be angry. How could you be angry at God for wanting uh, righteousness? And How could you be upset about the Ten Commandments? How could you want to take the Ten Commandments out of every visual place you can possibly take it out of. I mean, it teaches people not to commit adultery. It teaches people to respect their parents. It teaches people not to commit uh, not to murder. It teaches people not to steal from each other and respect each other and not covet each other's stuff. I mean, what could be further from the truth taking this out 
of the public eye. We ought to have the Ten Commandments everywhere. That's a good, straight-up-and-down moral law. It's God's moral law for the nation of Israel. But they don't like it. Why? Because they hate him. The nations were angry, and then they said, The nations were angry, and thy wrath has come, the time of the dead, that they should be judged, that they should give reward, and they should give reward unto thy servants, the prophets, and to the saints, and them that fear thy name, small and great. And this is a phrase we're going to speak about for the rest of the time. And shouldest destroy them which destroy the earth. I don't think we should destroy the earth. I think when we find out something's bad and something actually hurts the earth, we ought to quit doing it, by the grace of God, if it's possible. We ought not to let 200 million people starve to death because we're worried about climate change. But we ought to, and it's, it was a good idea probably not to dump that used motor oil out on a dirt road. Probably a great idea not to just let gasoline go off on the road. When you clean your brush, with your, when you're painting your house, clean your brush with mineral spirits, probably a good idea not to dump that on the ground like we used to do. Probably a good idea to do the things that you know. They eliminated arsenic in pressure-treated wood, which were fence posts and other things. And what they were saying was happening is the arsenic was leaching into the groundwater, which eventually got into the drinking water, and they were concerned. By the way, arsenic's like rat poison, and it keeps termites from eating the wood, but it also will keep you from living if you get enough of it. How do I know how bad pressure-treated lumber is? You're getting a lot of information tonight outside the Bible here. How do I know how bad pressure-treated lumber used to be is I had chickens, and I used a pressure-treated tube before, and you let your chickens set on it, and they will die. Over a period of time, if the chickens set on that tube before, they leach in that arsenic or whatever it is they use, I believe that was it, in their feet. I don't know, you know about this? And the chickens become unhealthy, and they possibly, they, some of them die. And so you, when you want to put their roost you got to make sure it's not pressure-treated wood. Now, they changed all that. They quit doing the arsenic in the wood. Now they got some pressure-treated wood that really doesn't keep the termites out. But nevertheless, it doesn't, it doesn't kill us either. But, uh, and should us destroy them that destroy the earth. Interesting phrase. How do you destroy the earth? How is man destroying the earth? It's not by what you think. It's not necessarily by setting off nuclear weapons in the 50s. They did underground nuclear. They did above-ground nuclear. One time I watched a show, we've done hundreds of nuclear explosions between Russia and China and us and India and Pakistan and whoever has nukes. They all set them off. Now we're getting Iran to have I heard Iran's going to have the nuke this week. It's, we're, we're fixing to see some wild stuff here. And so there's been a lot of that, but I don't think that's really what he means by destroying the earth, even though that's probably not healthy for the earth. I believe he's talking about sin. The man's sin causes God's wrath to be released upon it, which will in turn destroy the earth. Similar to having bone cancer, where you get this bone cancer, this cancer starting in your bone marrow, and it turns on your white blood cells, and your white blood cells overreact to having cancer. 
And one of my problems is that why my white blood cell count uh, will go continually going up, 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 up. Eventually, the white blood cell count gets so high that the white blood cells, which are meant to kill invaders in your body, destroy the very body they're to protect. And that's the way it is with this earth. People sin, the man has sinned so grievously, God, by an example, took Sodom and Gomorrah and destroyed that whole city because of their sin. Why did he destroy Sodom and Gomorrah? Not because they were putting oil on the ground. Not because they were letting gasoline out or dumping their mineral spirits on them or, or any of those other things. He destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah because of their sin. Sin causes God wrath to be poured upon it as it should be and destroys the earth. God's wrath against sin is an invading anti-life principle and will literally eradicate the problem of sin at the death of the patient. The earth then is to be destroyed by God due to man's unrepentant sins that they commit. You'll see many times in the Bible that he's going to make a new heaven and a new earth. Woo, what a day that will be when we can have a new heaven and a new earth. We don't know what that's like, see. We don't even know. It's so good. We don't even know what it's like with new heaven. I tell you this, this old cursed world, even in its curse, has a lot of beautiful things in it, a lot of magnificent things, a lot of breathtaking things. Imagine what it's going to be like in the new heaven and the new earth, just I can't imagine. I, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man what God hath done for them that love him, prepared for them that love him. The greatest favor you can do to save planet earth is to turn away from sin. Is to begin by the grace of God to hate sin in some fashion the way God hates it. What's so bad about some folks that are immature Christians that they, they want to see how close they can get to sin and how they can cuddle up around sin and, and have fellowship with it. And maybe it's okay, maybe it's not. And that's not, the, that's not the spirit of a mature, born-again believer that loves Jesus, Holy Spirit filled. You hate sin because sin is, a, sin is an invading, aggressive disease that due to that has destroyed everything good that God had for us. We're sinners by birth, and then we're sinners by practice. Once we get born from above, God cuts the power cord of sin, and then we don't have to sin, but we choose to sin. You know, a, a duck is a duck because a duck is a duck. A duck quacks, a duck walks because he's a duck. That's what we were, sinners sin because they're sinners. But when you get born from above, you're no longer under the power of that sin. Read Romans chapter 6. All over the whole chapter talks about that, makes that point. Recognize yourselves, uh, recognize yourselves dead indeed under sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin have dominion over you, reign over you. Now we sin as born again believers because we're not walking in the spirit, so we would have power over sin. We walk in the flesh, and we still sin. We still practice sin, but now it's by choice, not because by nature. It's different. Conclusion, conclusion here based upon the above information I've given is sin is not just your business. I'm talking about your personal business. Uh, I think in Romans chapter 14, verse 7, it says, For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. The way you live affects the earth. 
It affects the earth. It affects your family. It starts in like a little circle. It affects you. It affects your, if you're married, it affects your wife. It affects your children. It affects your grandchildren. It affects your great-grandchildren. Brother Harris's. Uh, I looked at a family picture for the Harris's. I couldn't even believe it. There's 80-some people. And at least two people. They've got over some 80-some people from the two people. But by the fact that they live for Jesus, it's affecting those 80-some people. And then we got Tom Crichton and his wife. They've, they've got 60-some-odd folks, I believe, maybe more. I don't know. Am I, am I close? 60-some folks out of two people. And those, the, the best thing that you, you parents can do for your children is to live for Jesus, is to hate sin, is to, to try to ask God to let you see it the way he sees it. The problem is we're so close to it that we've gotten, we've gotten comfortable with it when God's not comfortable with it. He's not. We're all part of one body. As part of the body of Christ, if you prosper, I feel it. If you fail, I feel it, positive or negative. When, when you do something wrong and you fail, it grieves my spirit because I have the Holy Spirit, which you have, and the, grie- the grieving, which was said this morning, makes sad or discouraged is the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit gets discouraged, in some measure I get discouraged when I see it. But when I see you succeed, I see these people come up here and, and uh uh, memorize scripture and, and put themselves at risk standing before you and, and by the grace of God uh, make mistakes, stumble around, get them, don't get them, but they don't quit. That makes my spirit encouraged, doesn't it, you? Yeah, it does me too. Take your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It's kind of a lengthy passage. I'm sorry about that. I'll read it, read it, but it just needs to be read in, in context together. Talking about how we affect each other, for the body is not one member, but many. Talking about the body of Christ in verse 14, 1 Corinthians 4, 12, 14. And if the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, am I not the body? Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it has pleased him. The body has a lot of members. Man, we have a lot. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. We have a lot of difference. We have all these complexities in us. Verse 19, and if they were all one member, where would the body be? We have a diverse amount of members in this one body. As the church is. But now, are they many members, but yet one body? And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. In other words, your face gets all the attention, but your feet are more necessary than your face. Can't move without your feet. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, that's like the feet, upon these we bestow more abundant honor, and upon uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. You take care. Brother, you don't know you've got feet till they go wrong. Woo, 
doggies, I mean, your feet can make you not think of anything else but your feet. How many here have ever had gout? Your family, God bless you. You know about that, don't you, brother? Gout will make you think, how could there be nerves in my feet to possibly hurt that badly? Can't even put a sheet over it. Wow. But in verse 20, but now are, are there many members, yet but one body? And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of thee, nor a head to the feet, I have no need of thee. They much more, those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary, and I've read that. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, I've read that. Upon these we bestow more honor. For our comely parts have no need, verse 24, but God has tempered the body together and given it more abundant honor to that part which lacked. That there should be no schism, no division in the body, that the members should have the same care one for another. I've seen numbers of churches die. Some churches I've seen, they didn't die, but they almost died and they tore each other apart, literally tore each other apart. You know, deacons got after each other. Deacons' wives got after each other. People got after each other. I've been in meetings. My wife and I, when we were first saved, went into three different church splits. We had nothing to do with it. We were just visiting. And we were there on a Wednesday night, and a guy would get up and say, I call a meeting. And, call, oh, don't. and the preacher said, oh, please don't do it there. We got baby Christians here tonight. Don't do it. And he said, I don't care about the baby Christians. I'm going to call a meeting. And he basically was trying to get rid of the preacher, and it was terrible. He got to him, and some of them boys were cussing. Where's my wife at? Remember that? The boys started cussing. I thought to myself, now I'm just, I'm 20 years old, 20-year-old young Christian. I'm thinking, man, these are my brothers. When one part of the body hurts, the whole part of the body hurts. But I'll tell you what, I'm not going to let people that don't want to do right make me not do right. I hope, I hope you make a decision early on in your Christian life, no matter who does what or what they do, you're going to obey the Bible, you're going to be for the local church, and if the one goes down, you'll find another one that's doing right, and you're going to stick with it till Jesus takes you home. You need to make that resolve. Verse 26, and whether one member suffer, all members suffer with it, or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. That's just what I said earlier. We see these boys up here get these verses. Woo, we rejoice with them together. We see them stumble bum around them and don't make the verses. Woo, we feel sorry for them together. But we're glad they're giving it a shot. When you folks show up for door to door, my brother Chris knows what I'm talking about. Where are you, brother Chris? You're not behind me, are you? When brother, when, when Chris knows what I'm talking about, when people show up, how many showed up for door to door? 32? Man, I don't know about you. That excited me when 32 people showed up. I remember the first time ever 32 people showed up door to door. Preacher, you may remember it. It just was, I thought I was in hog heaven, man. I just couldn't believe it. I was walking on here. 32 people showed up for door to door. We're going to go out and share the gospel. You say, you people that came door to door, you didn't think you were that important to me, did you? But you are. Because we're all part of the same body. And when you do what God wants you to do, that excites the whole body, gets a blessing. It's like a kick of adrenaline. Woo! It's like a double shot of coffee. In verse 27, now ye are the body of Christ, members in particular. We're all different. 
Yes, we are different. Except our differences. If it's not doctrinal, then it's a preference. And except preference differences. You only divide off of each other when you have doctrinal corruption, which is a conviction difference. If somebody comes in here and says, I don't believe Jesus was really resurrected, you have to, you have to get Dr. Bailey and you have to do an incision on that part because you've got a cancerous tumor and you've got to cut that thing out. How many of you have ever been dermatologists? God bless your soul, man. I've been dermatologists. They're like buddies with me, first name basis. I go in there and they go, ooh, and they get this little thing out. It's got liquid nitrogen in it. And they go, shh, and it's like fire. It's like putting a flame on it. I just went in last week and had one done on my lip. I don't know about you, but there's a lot of nerves on your lip. Man, I mean to tell you, I was paying for my sins. Sin is like bleach to metal. It's corrosive. You can't let it in. If you try to let it in, you try to protect it, you try to coddle it, you try to work with it, try to live with it, it will rust you out from the guts out. Because God's wrath will be turned against that sin, like white blood cells against, against some invasive disease. The Bible says in Romans 5.12, wherever was by one man, sin entered into the world. Death by sin, the corrosion of it. Death passed upon all men, for all have sin. In James 1.15, it says, When lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. God said, I'm going to destroy them who destroy the earth. Literally, these people out here partying and having their way and being immoral tonight and around Super Bowl and all that, and all of that in, in disobedience of God and drinking themselves drunken and all this stuff is, is doing way more damage to planet Earth than they understand. Those who persist in sinning are destroying themselves first, their immediate family, their neighborhood, their city, their county, their state, their region, their country, their continent, and their world. I did a little thinking about it. I saw a research paper done about crime and criminals. And it said, here's what it said. If 2% of the population is criminal, we feel the effects of it. Taxes for prisons and justice system and police and security go up. 2%. If that... If the criminals become 10% of your population, then we feel it much greater. We are starting to be stressed at that point for the money to build the amount of jails you need and the amount of court system you need. If the criminals rise up to 30% of the population, we start putting in martial law, beefing up security, declaring New York City a penitentiary. If crime... And criminals get to 40%, and I don't think we're a long way from this. The criminals vote in their politicians and put us in rehabilitation, concentration camps. They're already talking it. I hear the verbiage. I think it was uh, 
Hillary has made some comments like, we are mentally messed up, that we need rehabilitation. And what they mean by that is they need to corral us up and put us in a camp together because we're some like mental weirdos. But that's what's happening. That's, by the way, what Hitler did. And then if that continues on, there, ha- there could be an outright civil war and the whole country is destroyed, the whole economy is destroyed, and the whole thing collapses on itself. What did all that? Sin. Sin. Terrible. See, that, there's more reasons to quit smoking than what you thought. There's more reason to quit cussing than what you thought. More reasons to quit watching pornography than what you thought. More reasons to quit looking at wicked magazines than what you thought. There's more reasons to quit sin in general than what you realize because it's destroying the earth and will eventually destroy it where God has to come and make it all new again. Did you ever, maybe you know you didn't think so, biblically at least, the effects of sin are great. And sanctification. The old timers I said under years would preach against sin, and I loved it. They preach against sin. They preach for sanctification. To set yourself apart from sin and set yourself to God. A lot of times they didn't give me reasons. As a young man, I, they weren't giving me reasons to do it. They were, just, they were just telling me to do it. And I believed them, what they said, I mean, in some degree. But I like to hear a reason for why you do what you do. Tonight, the Bible's giving you a reason. Revelation chapter 11, verse 18, giving you a reason to step away from sin, a reason not to be wicked, a reason to live for God. And I believe if enough Christians get together and live for God, they can preserve an area. God himself will bless an area where they're at and and sanctify that area. Not just your families, but all of us together can be blessed. Why do you think America was so blessed? We started as a fledgling, fledgling little group of guys, really rejects from, rejects from England for the most part. The, 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 the English didn't want those, those pilgrims. They didn't want them. They were religious nuts. They wanted to get rid of them. They were glad to have them come over here. And, and starting from, and then when in, in, our, in our 1776 war, went to, when it went to war against the greatest nation on the planet Earth with a massive navy and somehow or another won that thing? I hope you don't think it was because of our prowess. I hope you understand it was because of God's hand. George Washington understood that clearly. The people who were in that war understood that clearly from what they've written, that it was God that blessed them. It was God that gave them the victory. See, we think, man, I heard a guy on TV the other day bragging about our Trident submarines. I think we got nine aircraft carrier groups. They were bragging about how we were just unconquerable, and I thought to myself, oh, my brother, don't say that. Don't even think that. The only way we'd be unconquerable is if we're pleasing to God. The people who won World War II understood that. That thing could have went either way. Had Germany, had Germany invented a nuclear weapon a year earlier, it went, in, it went in a completely different direction. There were so many battles that went a particular way that it was just kind of mystical why they went that way. It was God. 
And Lord, help us to hate sin. May we hate it the way God hates it and see it the way God sees it. Father in heaven, thank you tonight for the Bible. We pray that you'd help us understand this truth and forgive us where we've coddled sin or sins in our lives. That you, things that you, we know, biblically, we know are wrong. Biblically, the Holy Spirit's told us these are wrong. Stay away from them, displeasing to God. Help us, Father, to understand why we do what we do. Give us the strength as we make those decisions. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.